You're listening to Perry Noble's Thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. For daily insight, please check out perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name is Shane. I'll be our host today. And so we're going to tackle some questions that our listeners have sent in. And so we're excited to get to those uh, in just a couple of minutes. But before we do that, I wanted to announce a couple of things that are coming up that some of you out there need to be involved in. The first is Unleash Your Leadership. That's leadership coaching from Perry Noble. That's something we're going to do here at New Spring, February 18th through the 20th of 2013. Perry, what do our listeners need to know about that? Man, it's it's just a about a two-and-a-half, three-day event with leadership coaching. Um, it's literally, we start from we start about 9 or 9.30 in the morning. We go to about 4, 4, 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, it's talking about leadership, and it, it's intense. It's one of my favorite things we get to do because there's about – 50 or so people in the room. Um, it's a, it's not the big conference setting. Um, we get to spend more one-on-one time with people. And you've got a list of the topics there that we're going to be covering. I do. We're going to cover these things and, and many more. But how to, how to avoid ministry burnout, mm-hmm. overcoming financial barriers for your church, Sunday and sermon preparation, and the assumption that no church should ever make, among other things. Yeah, and you know what, Shane? I've had people tell me, and you've heard people tell you this too that that first session on how to overcome burnout um we've had people tell us that that was worth the the price of the whole thing like that one right there i really do believe that the lord will use that to save people's ministries churches um whatever i mean it's it's a it's an intense one that's about a two-hour session but it's a fun one no doubt we've heard back uh from the set you've done probably six or eight coaching networks and that one session uh, over and over again we hear about ministries pastors who have been saved just from uh, locking in with what you teach them uh, during that time so you guys do business not, leaders too business, Bus- I mean, business is, leaders have said that too absolutely. so yeah th- if you're a business leader this would i mean you would en- you would enjoy this event too so here's the deal february 18th through the 20th uh, it's 850 dollars and it's limited as perry mentioned before 50 people so the first 50 that sign up you can go to unleash.cc backslash unleash your leadership. That's all one word. And you can get all the information there. Do not miss it. Uh, it will sell out fast. So get there quickly. The other thing I wanted to mention last uh, month's podcast, we covered uh, the book you just wrote, Perry. Yep. Unleash Breaking Free from Normalcy. Uh-huh. And so I just want to mention again if you haven't gotten that book yet, you need to get it. You need to get it for your church, family. Everybody needs to read it. You can get the information. At unleashbook.com. And that it, just to answer a major question, Shane, that I've had asked several times, that is not me on the cover. That is that. I, and if you've man. seen if you've seen the cover, you, you 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 know what I'm talking about. But if not, that that's just that's not me. I could not do that. I think so, it's really you. I just think you're not telling me. No, because I mean, here's how you know it's not me. The shirt's tucked in. Oh, that's right. I mean, and you're more than three inches off the ground. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I can. I, it's just not going to happen. So, if you've seen the book, that's not me on the cover. All right. Well, here we go. Today's topic uh, really covers two broad categories: vision and volunteers. But these questions all came from you, our listeners, and so I want to thank you for sending them in. And want to ask you to continue to send them in at hello at newspring.cc. We'll get to those uh, and get to as many questions as we can uh, over the coming months. So please send those in. We enjoy getting them and considering them and getting back to you on answers. So here we're, here's what we're going to do today, Perry. I'm going to jump in in the section I'm just calling vision because we've okay. got lots of questions about vision. Yep. But before we get uh, to the questions, I just want to ask you one myself. How would you define vision? 
Um, you know, there's there's so many definitions of vision out there. I think um, mine's a mixture of something I heard Bill Hobble say and something I heard Andy Stanley say and then something I kind of threw in there too. But it's vision is painting a picture of the future that produces passion in people. Um, it's 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 ca- it's like saying, hey, this is where we're going. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to take place. And it's something that people can rally their life around. It's something that people can grab a hold of. And I really do think that, that vision has to be something um, that's big, that motivates, that in, inspires, that encourages. To a touch, it has to overwhelm, like, oh, my gosh, that's not possible unless God gets involved. So that's what vision is. As we read through the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, um, people are moved by vision. Abraham moved from where he was to where God wanted him to go because God declared vision for his life. And so I think vision's huge. That's good. Uh, one follow-up question. Is vision something you just sit down with a piece of paper and kind of conjure up things you want to do, or is this something that you feel like God impresses upon you? Yeah, vision is not a to-do list. Vision is not, hey, these are some things I think I want to do. Vision, um, vision I, I believe, comes from the Lord setting your heart on fire. It's one of those things where you get alone with the Lord, you, you, you spend some time in scriptures, um, you get some the ideas, you begin to take it to the people um, in your circle. You begin, to, you begin to talk to them about what you feel like the Lord is sharing on your heart. You see if it inspires them, challenges them, encourages them, or if they're all looking at you like you're smoking crack, then you don't have a vision. You, you, I mean, or maybe you do. Maybe you just need to figure out how to explain it more clearly, and then you take it further and further and further and further. But yeah, 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 yeah. V- vision is one of those things that you, I think it has to come directly from God. So let's tackle this question. What do you do after you give vision to ensure that it's caught traction? Um, you, ha- you have to watch and see if people are rallying behind it. Because if you say, hey, this is where we're going, this is what we're doing, this is where I feel like God's leading our church, this is where I feel like God's leading our organization, um, the I, th- I think the I think the best thing a leader can do is create some action steps um, to, so people can get some some wins under their belt. It's kind of like the quarterback when he goes out for his first pass. Not sure that you want to let the guy throw the ADR bomb down the field, but but maybe the bubble screen or something like that, and let him complete a pass and let him let him get three or four yards down the field and, and let him build up a little confidence. Um, I think that's one of the things that a leader has to do is create some. Yeah, here's the big picture. Here's the small steps we're going to take to accomplish the big picture. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. These are our first two bites. And once you accomplish those things, then you can show your people, hey, listen, we made progress here. We're, we're moving forward. And that, I think that's how a vision uh, gains traction. Sort of a one-step-at-a-time mentality. Absolutely. 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 Uh, next question. What gives you confidence after your leadership team makes a decision that you are all moving in the direction God wants you to go? Well, that comes back to the the discussion in the leadership team. Um, and, and Shane, you know, you've been in on a lot of these conversations when I'll come in and I'll say something along the lines of, hey, guys, I've been really praying about this. And, you know, this is what I think the Lord might be saying to us or, you know, or, or I'll ask you guys, what do you think the Lord's saying to y'all? Cause I'm not the only person I feel like he speaks to. Um, and the, the confidence is that people in the room understand it and they get excited about it. Um, I think one of the mistakes that I've made in the past when talking to, to a leadership team 
or even to our staff about a particular um, aspect of vision is that I'm excited about it because I've been praying about it, studying it, um, writing it down, working through it for maybe three, sometimes up to six months or a year. And so this has had time. It's kind of like the pot that gets put on the stove and the water's brought to a slow boil. And it's just so by the time I share it or by the time I start saying things about it, it's really white hot in me. And then I bring it to the table and I share it and everybody around the table doesn't get excited about it immediately. And everybody around the table is not, you know, breaking out their pom-poms and, and cheering, which if they did, I would, I would really worry about the people at our day. table. It would be fun. Um, but everybody's not getting excited about it. And I used to really get upset and think, well, they're not on board. Well, they're not excited. But what I had to finally realize is your leaders need time to feel what you feel. Because it took you three weeks, six weeks, six months, a year to feel it. You know, the, the, the pot got brought to a slow boil. You, you're asking them to jump in the microwave when you had time to, to um, develop that passion. So whenever you cast vision and people don't seem to be getting excited about it, let them ask questions. Let them press, let, let them press you on it. Let, you know... Ask for, was anything not clear? Go through it again. Keep, don't, don't get discouraged if you say, hey, this is where I think we ought to go, and people are looking at you like you're crazy. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that you've got to allow it um, time to develop. That's good. And you, you mentioned two things. Make sure it's understood and then that people get excited about it. Yes. What do you do if somebody, if it seems like the team understands what you're saying, but the excitement level is not where you want it to be? Do you put a push the pause button? Do you continue to explain it? Like, what do you, what's your action step uh, as the leader casting this vision when the team gets what you're saying, but it's not 100% excited right out of the gate? Well, you know, there's going to be different opinions on this question. Um, mine's right, but there will be different opinions on it. If everybody's not excited about it, I've always backed off, and I've always been like, all right, Let's, let's hold off on this because if you're a leader and you're in a room with leaders and you're casting vision to them, you're asking them to go implement this. You're asking for them to dot some I's and cross some T's. And if they're not excited about it, hey, at the end of the day, they're probably not going to do the best job. Hmm. I mean, I'm not questioning their loyalty. I'm not questioning their friendship. I'm just saying if somebody's excited about something, they're more likely to give it everything they've got. So it's one of those things where if I feel everybody's not excited about it, I think it's wise to kind of say, hey, guys, let's table this. Let's pray about it. Let's talk through it. Let's bring it back up again next week, um, and, and let's, let's talk about it a little bit more. That's never hurt us as a church. I mean, it's yeah. always actually helped us move the ball down court um, or move the ball downfield further faster. That's true. One thing I really appreciate um, that you do is – you help our team fight for unity instead of just consensus. You want yes. everybody on the same page before moving forward. That's always helped us out. Uh, next question from our listeners. How do you know you're doing the will of God? My fear is doing the work of God without the will of God. Sometimes some ministry activities are easy to justify but may not be what God wants done at the time. So how do you discern the difference? Well, if you're not, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes in the Bible, when you didn't do God's will, He just killed you. And I think that'd be, I think that'd the fact be that you're alive is a good sign. Yeah. So the fact that you're alive, um, well, I'm by the way, I'm glad He doesn't do that, or I wouldn't have made it through my first year of ministry <laughs> because, oh my gosh, um, you know, 
here's the funny thing about the will of God. The most common metaphor that Jesus described God with in the scriptures was Father. Now, God is, he's like the perfect Father. So who wants us to know God's will the most? Do, do we want to know it, or does God want us to know it? I mean, if God is the perfect Father, then he would not be a good God if he were always dangling his will in front of us, but never let us get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's God wants us to know what he wants more than we want to know what he wants many times. I mean, it's God wants us to know his will. So the, the, the thing is, I mean, it, I think it's uh, Jeremiah 29, 13, where he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Um, not with all your agenda or not with, you know, all your plans, but with all your heart. And I think one of the things that we've got to do is understand that our job as ministry leaders is to set the way to 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 set the way mm-hmm. in regards to seeking God with all of our heart. And as we're seeking God with all of our heart, he's going to let us know what he wants, but he's always going to let us know in his time. Ecclesiastes 3:11 says he makes everything beautiful in his time, not our time, but his but but his time. And so um I really do believe that if you're doing the, the work of God without doing the will of God, um, he's going to let you know that. And, uh, you know, Shane, in, in this question right here, I'm, I'm looking at it, I'm seeing um, whoever sent this question in, I'm seeing them wrestling with some ministry activities that they're doing, mm-hmm. and they think, and, and it's probably somebody who's in a church and they're being told, you have to do this, and maybe it was a great idea 50 years ago, yep. but it's not such a good idea now. And I think that's one of the problems of ministry leaders in particular is we have a hard time letting go of things that used to work because they used to be the will of God, but maybe they're not the will of God anymore. You know, And some people go, oh, if it's what the will of God, it's always the will of God. Well, if you really believe that, try to go walk on water today because I can show you that that was his will one time in the Scriptures, but I'm not going to make the argument that that's always his will if you know we're going to get really wet if we go try that later on today. So um, I, I, w- I would... I would just say to the person who asked this question, um, if you probably, it looks like you probably need to have a hard conversation with someone and say, listen, I respect that this used to work, but it's not working today. And if we stop it, we're not out of the will of God. We're probably more in his will than we've ever been before. So true. That's good. Uh, next question, do you ever set goals that seem outlandish and impossible that you know only God can pull off? Absolutely. Next question. Um, no. <laughs> the, Bible says, the Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. Now, that, that's, that's strong. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So if there's not an aspect of vision that you're setting out there that doesn't cause you to say, if God didn't get involved in this, we're in a lot of trouble, then I would say it's a vision that's not pleasing to God. I would say there has to be a vision that, that pretty much drives us to our knees. Mm-hmm. So, so absolutely, I, you know, when I talk about one, one of our goals here at New Spring is 100,000 people. One of these days we want a church of 100,000 people. And, you know, a, a, a lot of people in our church are really excited about that, but sometimes I get people that kind of give, give me the eye roll and, do you really think that? Yes. Yes, I really do. Now, I don't think we'll be there next week. Now, if we are, man, praise God. I mean, I was, I was wrong, and you know, but it's, 
step by step, piece by piece, mm-hmm. bit by bit, we're getting there. And we are. We're we're moving a little. We're moving for. Um, we're moving closer and closer and closer to that goal. So, don't be afraid to set goals that seem outlandish or impossible. Um, one one of the most. I really believe this with all my heart. One of the most dangerous things a leader can do is play it safe. Mm-hmm. Watch college football games. It's college football season right now, so I just talk about this. What happens? When a team scores, they go up. There's a minute left on the clock. What do they do many times? They go to prevent defense. You know what prevent defense does? It prevents winning. Every time you go into prevent defense, you're going to lose because you're playing it safe. You're you're playing not to lose. You're not playing to win. And that's what happens when we set um, vision goals that are safe. And, well, we're going to increase our budget next year by 3%. Well, listen, I don't think God's honored in that. I really don't. I think God is honored when we set vision that is so big that we go, if God doesn't get involved in that, we're screwed. That's good. You mentioned that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And so goals should be goals with faith or ones that we're sure and certain of, uh, things that we hope for but can't quite yet see. Yep. Like it's got to be far enough out yep. that you can't see it, but you believe only God can do it. Absolutely. Uh, next question, how do you give people direction or vision without giving them a task to complete? See, here's the myth. Here's the myth. The myth is you empower people with vision and you don't delegate tasks to them. That's a myth. You have to delegate tasks sometimes. It's not an either or, it's a both and. Yep. Um, most of the leading that I do is vision-type leadership, where you're in a room and you're going, all right, guys, here's where we're going. Um, a leader has to, what I'll say, show people where the guardrails are. Hey, let's keep this between the guardrails. I think that's very effective. Um, but from time to time in a leadership meeting, a leader has to assign a particular task. For example, the other day we are in a meeting, and um, – and uh, it was it was a strategy meeting. And at the end of it, I said, hey, and I talked to one of our, uh, Michael, on our mm-hmm. team. And I said, will you put together a team and get the, and I kind of, I assigned a task to him. Um, and there's some people that will push back and go, well, if you sign a task, that's micromanaging. Well, I just don't think that's true. I think part of a leader's job is to assign a task because if 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 you want to just cast vision and not from time to time assign a task, you you think you're—I guess you think you're Yoda or you're Obi Wan who just gets to sit in a room and spout off wisdom. But but part of leadership is actually leading, and part of leading is actually having tough conversations from time to time and saying, "Hey, I really need you to do X, Y, and Z. Can you pull this off?" Now, if that's what you're doing all the time, then that's a problem. You're not a leader; you're a manager, and management is needed. I don't think it's bad. I'm just saying leaders know how to cast vision. And when they need to, they know how to step in and assign some tasks. Well, you mentioned earlier about setting action steps and leading your team to victory. If you just give ambiguous ideas about what you want to happen without clear action steps, then you're going to have frustrated leaders and frustrated staff. People cannot be held accountable for unspoken and unrealistic expectations. And that's one of the most dangerous things we do as leaders is we get angry at our team for not doing things but we never told them what we wanted them to do. Yep. And that's not on them, that's on us. I mean, I, people cannot be held accountable for unspoken, unrealistic expectations. That's good. This is a good follow-up question that we had sent in. As you lead, uh, do you ask for ideas or do you let your team come to you with ideas? Both. 
Um, I, I ask for ideas at times. Uh, other times um, people say, hey, this is an idea I've got for my area. I mean, I, I, I do both because I realize that I'm not the best idea. I'm not an idea factory. Some leaders fall into the trap of thinking it's their job to walk into a room and be just full of ideas. Um, and that's not... You, when, when we get to that place, we think too highly of ourselves. It's, it's our job to absolutely make sure ideas are happening. But um, there's times where I'll go, all right, guys, this is what I'm thinking. Y'all talk to me about this. And then there's times where I say, all right, guys, um, what's going on in your area and how do you, how do you plan to fix that? Um, one of the ways you know you've got leaders at the table is they bring you solutions. They don't just bring you problems. Mm -hmm. If somebody's always bringing you a problem and they never bring you a solution, they're not a leader. I don't care what their title is. They're not a leader. People have to bring you problems and solutions, which means, yeah, ideas. That's good. Um, what's the right way to deal with someone on staff that always seems to be off vision? Um, the guillotine was pretty effective in <laughs> France, and I think we should bring – no. Um, you know, Shane, most of the time, um, one of the things I'm learning a as a leader is that love always assumes the best about another person. Always. Love always assumes the best. So if there's somebody that always seems to be off and you're always mad at them, you're probably not assuming the best about them. So the best thing that needs to change probably is your attitude toward that person. Um, saying that, there are some people that are just off. And, and listen, if you're one degree off over a period of time, that's a big freaking gap. And so usually it's uh, don't make assumptions about that person. Have a conversation. Conversation over assumptions every single time. And, and, and it can't be an um, what I call a just a kind of out there conversation, very obscure. Hey, I've been, you know, thinking about this, and how's your mom and them? And it, it has to be, hey, Tom, um, this is the vision of our church. I see you doing this. Help me understand, am I right or am I wrong? And it, you know, help me understand what's going on. It, it's a lot better if you ask questions rather than make some um, accusatory statements because when you make accusatory statements, you automatically put someone in a defensive position and it turns into a fight. Um, go in there with a humble attitude, but it, you, has, you have to have a conversation. And let me say this, let me press on this. You have to have a conversation. You can't pray them out of their position. You, you can't say, well, I'll just pray this away. You're a leader. And a leader, one of the things a leader does is they embrace uncomfortable conversations for the, for the future, for the benefit of the team. Um, and it, it's not fun. I don't enjoy it. You don't enjoy it. No, no leader enjoys it. But at the end of the day, if someone seems to be off, it's best to fix it as soon as possible so it doesn't um, – so it doesn't carry out to a, to the fullest extent. Yeah, I like that. You know, people want to win, and so if somebody's off vision, they probably don't want to be off vision. No. And so if like you go through the process you mentioned, they'll get back on vision, and everybody's happy. Or if they're not, then maybe God's made them to do something else, and That's they right. just need to be shown uh, another place to do it. Amen. Right? Amen. <laughs> All right. So we're going to shift now from talking about vision to some questions we got uh, concerning volunteers. 
So first one in that area, how do you motivate volunteer leadership? We pay our volunteers. There you go. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> you know, everybody's motivated by something different. And so you you got to figure out what motivates people. Part of being a leader, whether you're leading a staff or whether you're leading volunteers, is figuring out what motivates that person. Because um, some people, uh, you can give them a raise all day long, but if you don't ever say thank you, they don't really care about the money. You know, if you, um, to some volunteers, you can write them handwritten notes every week. They don't care because a handwritten note does nothing for them. But a pat on the back and, hey, I really appreciate what you're doing. It's making a difference. That right there goes so far. I remember one day I was leaving church and I ran into a guy that's been around here forever. And I just told him, um, I just stopped and for 30 seconds I said, I know you probably don't know this, but I appreciate you so much, and let me tell you why. And I just encouraged him for 30 seconds, and I went on, and I got an email from him the next week going, you will never know what that conversation did. And so you know what I know? Anytime I want to encourage that guy, I spend 30 seconds with him, I give him a hug, and that guy is fired up. So you you motivate volunteers um, by figuring out what motivates them because it's it's insane to say you got to write everybody a card or you've got to spend 30 seconds with every person, or you've got to give everybody a Chick-fil-A gift card. Or you, okay, those things are good, but what motivates the person? If you really want to motivate volunteers, then you've got to get to know them as people and, and figure that out. We, we had one volunteer. This was really funny. Um, I guess it was about a year ago, I was giving away some Reese's Cups in um, – uh, a worship Speaking service. Speaking my love language. Yeah, man. Reese's Cups. And um, she was in the service, and she wrote me a note that said something like, I'm so mad because I love Reese's Cups, and they're my favorite, and you didn't get them for me. And so I had someone go get a bucket, like a humongous <laughs> bucket, and I filled it full of Reese's Cups. And I wrote her a note because she's a, one of our uh, Kids Spring volunteers, and I said, hey, thank you for what you're doing. Um, I think you won't run out of Reese's Cups for a while. And sent that to her. And, like, I, I'm still hearing stories about it. <laughs> and then what was really funny is about six weeks later or about two months later, I said something about Butterfingers being my favorite candy bar. And I came back into work the next Monday, and there's a bucket full of <laughs> Butterfingers. And, 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 I, and I had to eat them because, like, you – like I didn't want her to feel not appreciated, so you you have to eat what the you know. So I, I wanted her to <laughs> wanted her to feel good about that. But the best way to motivate volunteers is to get to know them as people. I love that. And in the context of our church, just want to put this out there: you can't know every volunteer. No. But as they come across your path, and and this is something you coach all of our staff to do: get to know the one in front of you. Yep. And do whatever encourages them. I yep. love that. Yep. Uh, next question is along that same lines, but I think they're talking about as a group as opposed to individuals. Question is this, how do you recognize or celebrate volunteers at your church, and is this even necessary? Yes, it's necessary. It is necessary. Um, it, and let me, let me kind of back off and say this. The volunteer that always says they feel underappreciated or not recognized enough, Shane, in every case that I've ever seen, I'm not saying it's this way in every case, I'm just saying I've been in ministry for 20 years, every case that I've ever seen, they've got a pride problem. I mean, they really do. They have not, you know, the Bible says if we humble ourselves, that Jesus will lift us up. Mm -hmm. But if we lift ourselves up, that he will humble us. Um, and so 
the, the person that's always going, I don't get enough attention for what I do, they're not doing it for the right reasons. Um, and so once again, that's a, that's a hard, love-motivated conversation. But on the flip side, as far as volunteers, yeah, you've got to celebrate them in your church. And, you know, some different people do it different ways. I mean, we have volunteer appreciation parties. We tell, you know, hey, some of our um, student volunteers get together sometimes and do stuff, some of our children's volunteers. Um, one of the ways that I celebrate them is I celebrate them from the stage. Mm-hmm. About once or twice a year, you know I'm going to thank the Parkers from the stage. You know that I'm going to thank the greeters. You know that I'm going to thank the kids spring people. You know I'm going to thank um, our student workers. I mean, I'm going to publicly thank them for what they do, and I'm going to tell them why what they do makes a difference. Um, and you, you just kind of look for those those um, 30 to 45 second spots in a message or, you know, a handwritten note does go a long way for some people. It's not everybody's love language, but somebody, some people, if you send them a handwritten note, over the top. Um, and so, yeah, you've got to figure out how to recognize and celebrate your volunteers. I mean, I think, you know, and some people go, well, if they were doing it for Jesus, they wouldn't need to. Okay, that's not true. That's not true. They're, they are doing it for Jesus. And part of our commission as followers of Christ is to encourage one another, right. especially when we see people doing a good job. That's good. Well, with that, the next question is this. Um, what is a good approach to handling a volunteer that isn't getting the job done? And I'm assuming embedded in this, is this somebody with the right attitude, the right reasons? They're just simply not good at what they're doing. Um, you know, the guillotine, like we talked about earlier, is, is it fires people up. Um, the, you know, it's a conversation. Once again, it's the same thing with the staff members. You can't pray that away, you, and you definitely can't pray it away with a volunteer. So it's a, it's a really it's, – it's a conversation that has to be had um, because it's obvious to you, and it's obvious to everyone else. I remember one time – I never will forget this. I was serving in a church, and we had a um, young married um, Sunday school class, and it was, it, it was like – the class in the church. There were like 15 to 20 couples in this class every Sunday. And uh, it was the fun class. It was the energetic class. And the pastor I served under, he, he turned the class over to a guy who, um, great guy, great guy, loved Jesus, but could not teach. I mean, just, just couldn't. And I, I, I'm, not, I'm trying not to be mean. I'm just telling you the guy couldn't teach. And the class literally in about six weeks went from 20 couples to four couples. And I remember having a staff meeting talking about that particular Sunday school class. And um, the pastor saying, well, I don't know what the problem is. And I said, I, I do because I'd heard them talking. I was like, he can't teach. He's, I mean, people are wanting to jump out of windows and land in front of cars instead of hearing him teach. And maybe we should get him out of the class. And the argument back is, well, he's got a good heart. And I'm like, well, I, okay, I'm not, I'm not even going to fight that. His heart is probably unbelievable. He can't teach. And so somebody's got to love him enough and the church enough and the people to cast that vision and say, there's something better for you and we're going to find it, but you can't. Because the, the, the thought is, well, just let them do what they're doing until we can find something better. That hurts everybody. That hurts everybody, and it allows you to avoid a difficult conversation. So the only person that wins in that is you, and if you're in it for you, you're not a leader. Um, that you got to have a difficult conversation. So the pastor did. I mean, he, he did. He went and told the guy, 
um, you, you can't you can't teach. He's like, I can't teach this class. And he's like, no, you just you know, like, bro, you can't teach. And but we got him out of the class. The class literally, I saw it in the next four weeks go go from like four couples all the way back up to twenty couples. I mean, in like in a matter of time. And I'm like, hey, problem solved through a difficult conversation. So yeah, if if an, if a volunteer isn't getting the job done, it's you know it's a matter of do they understand the expectations? Do they have the capacity to handle it? Um, and it it all comes back to communication, conversation. That's good. And you know that any a person serving uh, has a place they can serve. Yep. And they just need to be directed to a place where they can be successful. Everybody has a spiritual gift. Right. Everybody has at least one spiritual gift, according to the Scriptures. And part of a leader's job is to help people discover that, rather than, hey, say, at the end of the day, if you've got a list of things that need to get done, and you're plugging people into that list, and you call that volunteer leadership, it's not. P- these these are people with hearts and souls and feelings and emotions and they matter to God, and they're not called to be driven, they're called to be led, and so part of our job as leaders is to figure out are they doing what God's called them to do because if they're doing what God's called them to do, most of the time you don't have to keep them fired up and motivated. They're they're going to beat you to church. We have volunteers every week at New Spring Church that are that are at one of our campuses before staff members even show up. Yep. So good. Well, uh, let me just give you one more chance to talk about anything you want to, anything else in regards to utilizing uh, or leading volunteers or about vision as we close down today's podcast. You know, I would say volunteers and vision are married, um, that, that you cannot lead volunteers without solid vision. Clear expectations. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. This is specifically your part in us accomplishing this vision. And when it's, when it, when people not understand, not only understand, here, here's the big thing. They can't just understand what they're supposed to do. They need to understand why they're doing it. Um, and I think too many times as a leader, I know that I made the mistake of answering the what. What are you supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to stand here and greet people. Okay. And three weeks later, you can't even find these people anymore. They quit volunteering. And the reason is, is we took so much time telling them what to do we never explain to them the why behind the what. And when you explain the why behind the what and people see it and they catch that fire, um, man, they become your best volunteer recruiters. They really do. That's good. Well, once again, I want to say thank you for listening uh, to today's bod- podcast. 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 Whatever it You know, is. I think we would get kicked off the Internet, Shane, if we did. Well, I don't know. That's Anyway. You and I podcast. doing podcast. Hey, listen, man. That – the podcast is where we do the entire podcast with our shirts off, yeah. and that's going to be and everybody, next month. That's it's right. going to be amazing. The, and, it, and unlike today, when there's like 10 people in here, there'll be just you and I. Probably. Yeah, the podcast. <laughs> the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Actually, I'm not How to have a belly. <laughs> anyway. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you guys next month. Woohoo!